So he shed his blood on the cross to atone for our sins, to pay for our sins, that we may be forgiven, may be redeemed, reconciled to God, and also be justified. The Bible says those you justified, you also glorified. So with hands lifted up, we say thank you. Thank you for giving us your glory, making us in your image, your likeness. We give you praise for giving us significance in life. We who are no people are now called the people of God. Thank you. Thank you for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light to show forth your praises, your excellences, your virtues. And so we praise you. We say you are mighty. You are glorious. We speak forth the excellences of God. You are gracious. You are loving. There's none like you, none besides you. You are above all the God of gods, the Lord of lords, Alpha and Omega. Beginning and the end. You are the first and the last. God Almighty. God who clothes yourself with light. Men may wear cotton and silk. But you clothe yourself with light as a garment. You ride upon the wings of the wind. You make the, the clouds your chariots. And you ride in the heavens in your excellency to help us. We give you praise. We give you praise. We bless and we magnify you. You are El Shaddai. God who is more than enough. You are our sufficiency. You are our sufficiency. Healer. Deliverer, strength giver, strong tower when we are weak. We bless and magnify you. Yes, Lord. Somebody give him praise. Somebody give him praise. For we are called to show forth his praises, his excellencies. Somebody say how mighty he is, how glorious he is. Omniscient, all wise, and all knowing. Omnipotent, all powerful. Woo, hallelujah. And omnipresent. God who is here with us right now, who also lives in heaven, makes the earth your footstool. Omnipresent God, everywhere present God. God who is so big that you fill your universe and you fill your creation with your love, your power, your presence, your honor, your glory, your majesty. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. The earth shows forth your handiwork. And so, Father, we bless you. We honor you. We glorify you. In the name of Jesus. Father, this day through the thanksgiving of many, as honor and praise goes to you, release grace to work wonders and miracles and signs for your glory, your honor, the rejoicing of God's people, their release, their redemption, salvation and healing. Work wonders, work miracles. Do a wonder, do a work. Things we have not seen, we have not seen before. Let it be, O oh God, that people will receive healing and deliverance. I pray for creative miracles. What is missing, Lord, create and make anew. What is missing and restore what has been lost. All by your power and because of your love and kindness. 
Thank you. And for all that you do, we'll be careful to give you alone all the honor, all the glory, all power, all majesty, now and evermore, now and evermore, glory be to God. Hallelujah. 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 We find you and we are filled. You are the bread that satisfies the bread of life. We have you and we are full. We are satisfied. Thank you. We hold on to you. And we never fall nor faint. Unshakable God. Immovable God. Immortal. Invisible. Most high God. Honor and glory to you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Now, Father, speak to our hearts. Speak to our hearts by your Holy Spirit. Reveal yourself to us in the word of God. Reveal yourself to us in your word. And as we see you, may we become what we behold. May we become like God. May we experience your power in our lives. Quicken our mortal bodies by the power of your spirit. Let people turn their eyes to God. Away from self. Away from lack, from fear, from sin. Away from the works of Satan. From the power of darkness to the power of God. Let people look to God. Let hope arise. Be revived in the hearts of God's people. Thank you. The word will bring salvation. The word will bring healing. The word will bring transformation. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And all God's people here in the church, sanctuary, and around the world said, Amen. Amen. Give the Lord praise, somebody. Give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Yes, yes, yes. The Bible says, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Praise the Lord. In the sanctuary and in your homes all around the world, give God praise, somebody. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Please be seated in the presence of God, those who are here in the sanctuary. the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
we are continuing our series of teachings on hope and expectation that I have been doing together with the good, most reverend Janice Davis. Hallelujah. I think if you're in Britain, they would call you most reverend. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Specifically, the title of today's teaching message is Christ, our only and last hope. Christ, our only and last hope. Praise the Lord. He is our only hope for salvation, eternal life, forgiveness of sins, redemption that is being delivered from sin and all the effects of sin being delivered from the devil, the evil one. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. So redemption is in one part, release from the enemy. And the other part is being reconciled to God, coming back to God. God, as it were, buying us back. We, we were his, and through Adam's sin, God lost us to the devil. But we were originally God's. And so God bought us back. To buy us back, he paid price and the price was the blood the life of Jesus Christ the reason why Jesus had to shed his blood is because he was saving humanity and our life the life of a person is in the blood of that person. The blood of the person is equal to the life of the person. That is found in Leviticus 17 and verse 11. So we'll just look at that. Leviticus 17, 11. That is just in passing, but it, it relates to today's message. So Leviticus 17, the Old Testament, and verse 11, reads, For the life of the flesh, King James Version says flesh, other versions would say creature, and even more modern versions would say person. So I'll read from the King James Version, which is what I have here. You may have a different version, that's fine. Leviticus 17, 11. 
for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement. Atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. Amen. God says it is what? Blood that makes what? An atonement for the soul. So, your life is equal to your blood. Amen. Uh, just uh, one of the easiest ways to understand atonement is just break the word itself up. Atonement, I'll take the first two letters, A-T, at. Set it aside and then take the next three, one. You know, atone, at one. Right, so I'll, I'll make atonement, at one meant. At one meant, atonement, at one meant. To put people at one with God. Amen. It's easy to remember that. So, Jesus shed his blood to make humanity, to put all of us at one with God. So we're no longer enemies. Praise God. We are the children of God. In the New Testament, Jesus called us friends. So we're no longer enemies. We are friends. God called Abraham his friend. We become friends of God when we believe that Jesus' blood that was shed washed away our sins. Amen. So the only hope of one ever being able to live with God forever, forever is through Jesus Christ. And the reason why we have to think about the, the need to live with God forever is because we are spirits. Humans are actually spirits who live in bodies. And we have personalities, distinct personalities. We're all different. Our personality is our soul. You know, your emotions, your mind, your will, the interplay of these three formulate and manifest or display your personality. All right. So, a person is a spirit and spirits don't die. The body, because of Adam's sin, the body dies. But spirits don't die. The body dies because the spirit leaves the body. When the spirit, that's the real person, leaves the body, and the body is clinically, medically certified dead, the person is actually still living. The person is living. 
I know because we live in this world, we're used to things we can touch and feel, you know, and smell and all that. Uh, we tend to, we, we tend to live this way. What we can see is what we accept. What we can see is what we believe. And we forget that there's actually an unseen world that is very real. Amen. The fact that you cannot see something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. But because we're just used to what we see and touch and all that, we, we kind of shut, subconsciously, we shut off the part about things we don't see. But doesn't change the fact that they are there and very real. So, in James 2, in 26, we learn that the body without the spirit is dead, just as faith without works is dead. We're used to works, but faith is very real. All right, let's, let's do it again. The body without the spirit is dead. It's inactive, inoperative. It can't walk. It can't talk. It can't move. This is a spirit that gives the body life. So the more powerful the spirit of a person is, the stronger the body would be. Amen? If the spirit is present in the body, the body is alive. The more spiritual energy, just for explanation purposes, I'll use the word energy. The more spiritual energy goes into the physical body. The more spiritual anointing, power, an infusion of spiritual power goes into the body, the more the body will move. The body will jerk if power goes into it. Just like you have uh, the dead battery of a car and you have a living, live, powerful, stronger battery, you connect it to the dead battery of the car. The power from the live, more powerful battery will cause life to come into this dead battery. So think about it in terms of spiritual things. When God's power comes into a body, the body will move. Amen. The body can tremble. The body can shake. The body may even fall down. That's why sometimes people fall down under the anointing, under the power. Sometime last month we were praying here uh, in the church. God gave me a word that he would heal uh, somebody's uh, ankle. And I think that day, uh, to my surprise, oh, like maybe five people came forward for prayer. And we prayed for them. I happened to actually touch the ankle of this man, uh, one of the brothers. And as I held his ankle, I could feel vibration in, inside him. I could feel it. 
I mean, you just feel like something's moving my hand. And it, it, it amazed me. I actually asked one of the elders to, to touch, hold him and see if he can feel the same thing. And he felt it. Now, that was God's power moving in his body. There's actually a place in the scriptures, it's recorded that it happened. I'm sure it happened other times, but not recorded. But in Acts 3, there was a cripple who was healed through the name of Jesus. And in Acts 3, it says, his ankle bones received power or received strength. So power came into him. The power of God's spirit. I mean, not everybody experiences that or needs to experience that to be healed. But it just so happened that in the case of Acts 3 or that brother we prayed for a month ago, that that was the way God manifested his presence. So there's spiritual power and this energy. I know people don't like the word energy, you know, church people, but I'm just using it so that we, we can, most people online who are not Christianized, you know, or use church language, can follow. God's power is energy. And that energy can come into you and make you well. Amen. And today, that power will come into you. That same power that came into that brother when we prayed for him last month, that power is here today. This message that God's given me for you today, that Jesus Christ is our only hope, our only and last hope, is actually that the main aspect of the message is this. God wants to encourage somebody who's about to give up, who has tried many things, to get a change, to experience a breakthrough, have an improvement in their life. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a physical condition and you've been uh, under treatment, you know, uh, medical help, been getting medical help for years. And probably, maybe as far as you're concerned, you haven't gotten better. If that is yours, you, God told me to come and tell you today, don't give up. Make Jesus your hope. Amen. I know for most of you who are like word of faith people, always in the word, believing, confessing the word. You know that Jesus, I know it, that Jesus is not your last hope. Jesus is your first hope. I, I get that. But I'm, I'm not dealing with that. It's like when Jesus said that uh, it is the sick that need a physician. Those who are whole don't need a physician. All right, so today I'm talking to the sick. Put it that way. 
So I know, those some of you are so spiritual. God bless you. The Bible says those who are strong help those who are weak. So I thank God for your lives. Keep going forward and keep helping people. For you, 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 whenever you have a problem or an issue, the Lord is the first person you go to. I get that. So he's your first hope. He's your only hope. But there are others who, for whatever reason, look to getting help, you know, other ways. And, and I'm not here to judge you. In fact, God isn't judging you. The Lord God who gave me this message for you is telling you he's not judging you for having tried uh, other ways to be well or to get a breakthrough. You know. When we started this series, one of the examples we looked at from the scriptures was uh, a cripple who was healed. And he had been that way from birth. He'd been laid at the entrance to the temple to beg for money. And the, the, the particular entrance, the number of entrances to the temple, but the particular entrance that he was laid as was called uh, the beautiful gate. So just imagine this. You are at a gate that's called beautiful. I mean, it's so beautiful that it was named that way. People walk past you. You go into the temple, worship, sing, pray, talk to God, whatever. And all the time, you're never able to get in. The day he was healed, the Bible records this, that he was 40 years old. So just imagine this. 40 years of your life, you've had a condition. That is different from what majority of people that you see in your community have. You're different. What is considered normal, you have never experienced it. And to add insult to injury, you are placed at a place called beautiful. So being reminded every day, that you are cut off from enjoying the beauty of life. There are people who are crippled physically, crippled emotionally, crippled mentally, crippled spiritually, financially, socially, maybe in marriage, and for 40 years, you've been going through this. 
maybe like the cripple, he's still trying to survive. So he's trying to beg. So perhaps in your case, you're trying to survive. So you've tried many ways to get better, to have a change, and nothing is happening. So finally, your last resort, your last resort, your last hope is this. Somebody told you that there is a crusade, a conference, a church service, a meeting, and Jesus is going to be there. So, though you've tried all these things for 40 years or 18 years, or 12 years. It's amazing that examples that God gives to us in scriptures are really of people who struggled. Man, they had a hard time. Not one day, not two days. But some of them for a long time. Yet you see God coming in to deliver them. You see God helping them to tell us that no matter how long you have suffered, how long, how long the bondage has been, God will deliver you. God will help you. You don't have to die or live that way or give up. You will not die in that problem. You will not live the rest of your life in that problem. That is what God is saying. So I'm talking to somebody who says, God, you're my last hope. And God is saying, yes, you're right. You have finally, finally found me. And you will not be disappointed. Are you with me? Yes. I, I understand that. I mean, it's really beautiful to have, and I've met some people who are like that. Just everything is Christ. From, I mean, you sneeze as Christ. You, they, they wake up as Christ. Smile as Christ. Christ every, some people are just really amazing. Thank God. Christ is their first and throughout. Praise God for that. But today, the Lord sent me to tell somebody who has tried many ways for whatever breakthrough you need for your life. Or as I, as I said at the beginning about salvation, Maybe you tried different religions, and there are many religions in the world. People are looking for peace. I don't know what your story is, why you tried whatever, but I'm telling you, in this world, people are looking for peace. People are looking for joy. Some want the assurance that when they die, they'll live again. Because we are created, we are spirits that live in a body. And we know, in our, we know within us that this world is not it. There's something after here. Everybody knows that. Because that's how God made us. The Bible says he set eternity in our hearts. Throughout the history of the world, heathen people who never knew about the Yahweh of Israel. You know, the one and only true living God who didn't know him have always believed in the afterlife and wanted to live well, you know, be in a good place. Now, we have come to find out that good place is called heaven. And it's not a story. It's very real. It's very real. Now, 
people have tried different religions because they're trying to fill this emptiness that is inside. This void that is inside. Because we lost the glory of God when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. We lost that. So man's been trying to, to reconnect with his maker to fill this void. Make sure that when I, I leave this body, I'm going to live with God. I'm going to see him again. The only person according to scripture who makes that possible, that you have this blessed hope, this hope that's blessed, of seeing God face to face again, according to scripture, is Jesus Christ. I pray that today, Acts 4.12, there's only one name given under heaven, on earth, by which we shall be saved. And it's the name of Jesus. And the reason why that is so is because Jesus is the only person, he's the only human who lived in heaven before he became human. <laughs> Are you with me? He became human, died on earth, for our sins, according to the scriptures, was raised from the dead the third day and went back to heaven. He said, I'm the only one who came from there, so I'm the only one who can take you there. You don't know the way. I am the way. The way. There are many, 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 many ways, but he is the way. So you can try all the other ways, but if you don't come the one way, you are lost. So people tried religions. Religion is man's way of finding God, getting to God. But man is already lost, so he can never find God. Now in Christ, or what's called Christianity, in Christ actually, it is God, Christianity is God coming to find man. All right, are you with me? Okay, just, just quickly, for just so it's more like evangelistic, so somebody can be born again. All right, let me just say it. It's, it's like, let's look at it this way, like driving. You know, directions in driving. Religion is man's way of finding God. So look at religion this way. Man is in the south. God is in the north. Actually, according to scripture, God lives in Mount Zion, the size of the north, the city of the living God. All right? So God's in the north, so, and we are down, so we're in south, and we're trying to look for God. So there are all these different ways trying to go northwards. In fact, some are not even going northwards. They're going different ways, east, west, all over the place. And those who are going northward, because they're not born again, they cannot find God. In Christianity, God has come to find us. So there's only one way. There's one God and only one mediator between God and man. Man, mankind, that's plural. But there's only one God and only one mediator, Christ, between. So one hope, one Lord, one way. It's only Jesus. Amen. Religion is man trying to look for God. Christianity is not something that men have created to find God. Christianity is God come to find man. So it's opposite. All right? For religion, we are south driving north. In Christianity, God is in the north coming south. 
It's opposite. Can everybody see that? All right. So when you believe in Jesus, or you follow what people call Christianity, become a Christian, that's a follower of Christ. It's not religion. It is a relationship. Do you get that? Now you go to church, that's just part of it. You read the Bible, that's part of it. Uh, might get in trouble for saying this, but I'll still say it. You read the Bible and it's part of it, but God is actually more than the Bible. God, God's more. <laughs> now the Bible is the only book, only one, given on earth that will help us settle any issues about God. No other book. But God is more than what's written in the Bible. The Bible says that the things that Jesus did, that which are not recorded, because if all the things he did were recorded, the world would not be able to contain the books that would be written. So God is more. You with me? All right. So reading the Bible is not what makes you a Christian. Going to church is not what makes you a Christian. You know, anything. Believing in Jesus Christ, the only way. Amen. We're good with that? Praise God. So he's our only hope of eternal life. But also, before we go to heaven or having had eternal life here on earth by believing in Jesus, we have to live. We have to live on earth. And living here, uh, I think for most people, can be very challenging at times. Just living life. Probably very few people on earth have no challenges. You know, just for purposes of explanation, let me just say, maybe billionaires, you know, uh, and, and that is the 1%, less than 1%. Yes? So that means... The whole world. And even billionaires have issues. Even billionaires have issues. Billionaires have marriage issues, divorce issues, separation issues, dating issues. Yes. Children relationship issues. They have bankruptcy issues. Economic issues. They have issues like Congress trying to break up their companies, and they now want Congress to break up their companies. They have issues like they want to get all your data and manipulate you, and you not wanting that, and you fighting back. Yes. Sometimes they don't sleep. Because <laughs> they have to, some of them, not all, but some of them have to find ways to control you, to manipulate you. And you don't want that. So they have to be subtle and crafty to figure out how to keep you in bondage, how to keep you buying. It's not all pharmaceutical companies that want you well. If everybody got well, they'll go broke. They just keep you buying their drug. <laughs> 
So they have to figure out how to keep the game going. So would you all just accept that in this world, everybody has some kind of problem or issue? We, we good? Okay. Now come with me. Took me a while. Come with me to Mark chapter 5. All of this has been leading to Mark chapter 5. Jesus Christ, your last hope. So Mark chapter 5. Oh, we'll, we'll look at verse 25. So Mark chapter 5 and verse 25. And a certain woman who had an issue of blood... 12 years. So in her case is what? 12 years, right? Uh, just do this uh, for me. Do me a favor. I'm going to come right back to Mark. So keep, keep, uh, uh, keep that part open in, in your Bible. And turn to Leviticus chapter 15 and verse 25. Leviticus 15. Very quickly, we'll come right back. But let's go to Leviticus. I think we saw Leviticus already today, right? Fifteen, what did I say? Twenty-five. Okay, I'm using King James Version. Uh, other versions, we use the word flow in the place of issue. That's her blood, her blood flow flowing. In King James, it says, issue, an issue, and, and you see why. Because I want to um, use the word to relate to other issues of life. Okay, so Leviticus 15, 25. Of course, in her case, she's hemorrhaging. She's bleeding. Leviticus 15, 25. And if a woman have an issue of her blood many days... Out of the time of her separation, or if it ran beyond the time of her separation, all the days of the issue of her uncleanness shall be as the days of her separation. She shall be unclean. Go to, uh, let's see. Twenty-seven. 27, Leviticus 15, verse 27. And whosoever touches those things shall be unclean and shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening. 28. But if she be cleansed of her issue, then she shall number to herself seven days and after that she shall be clean. So this is the Old Testament uh, Leviticus 15. Let's go to verse 19. Do, just do one, one more verse. Leviticus 15, 19. And if a woman have an issue, and her issue in her flesh be blood. Yes. Yes, that's it. 
verse Leviticus 15:19. And if a woman have an issue, and her issue in her flesh be blood, she shall be put apart seven days, and whosoever touches her shall be unclean until the evening. Okay. From the King James Version, I want to use the first part of verse 19 to talk about this subject in terms of matters of life or issues of life, problems, challenges, whatever. Not only like somebody who has a, a, an illness of hemorrhage and bleeding, not only that, but just any issue of life. Which verse 19, the first part, brings out. All right, so Leviticus 15, 19. And if a woman have an issue, and her issue in her flesh, flesh be blood, all right, that's saying that if a person has any issue, if he, if he had not continued, see, continue here makes... Uh, he begins to clarify that in the context, in the mind of the author, at the time God was given this law to the people of Israel, he's talking about hemorrhaging. Yes. But the first part of the verse only suggests to us that a person can have an issue of life that is not bleeding, that is not hemorrhaging. Are we good? And if a woman have an issue and her issue in her flesh be blood. What about her issue be something else, not blood? We're good? See that? Okay. So I, I prefer the King James for this. Other versions are good when you have a different revelation you want to talk about. But for me, I want to talk about issues because I have issues, certain issues of life that have nothing to do with bleeding. But I have some Issues that I would like for God to help me with. Seriously. I have some issues. For example, I would like, actually tomorrow, the bank that holds the note to this building, they're going to have an appraiser come to reappraise it just because of the loan, loan modification or loan review, whatever they called it. But anyway, so somebody's going to come to appraise it they had previously appraised it for $3 million. They're going to reappraise it. And we owe a million dollars on it. Now, that's an issue. I, oh, Lord Jesus, you are my hope. Hallelujah. I would like for this to be canceled. And I declare it canceled in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know how many times I have prayed that God, and I continue to pray, God will bless my congregation. You know the billionaires I was talking about earlier? I would be very glad if you were also in the 1%. Hey, praise the Lord. Amen? <laughs> so let it be, Lord. So I have some issues. They're, they, they're not blood flow, but I have issues. And I'm saying, Jesus, you are my hope. Amen. So we, are we good now? Okay. Let's go to Mark 5, please. 
So what verse was it? Was it 25? That's the only one I, I read so far. Mark 5, 25. Let me sit down to it well, find it. Mark 5, yes. And a certain woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. So she had this problem for 12 years. Verse 26. 26, everybody, Mark 5, 26. And had suffered. She had suffered. Many things. She had suffered. I know doesn't, that doesn't apply to you. You've never suffered in your life. I thank God for your life. Let me talk to somebody who has suffered. And then next, I want to talk to somebody who has suffered not one thing, but many things. Are you with me? Then number three, I want to talk to somebody who has suffered, suffered many things at the hands of many physicians. Wow. Do you see this woman trying to get help? And also financially she suffered, it says, and had spent all that she had. So if she has been suffering for 12 years, trying to get help for 12 years, it looks like this is somebody who had some means, economically, materially, she had, you know, enough money to keep going for help. Is it fair enough to say that? It's not one year, this is 12 years, trying to get help. If you live in the United States, you know if you have a medical condition that you're trying to get help, you know, to improve, to get better or get rid of, you know financially it's cost you. It's cost you financially. It's cost you peace of mind. It costs you mentally. You're thinking about it. It's cost, cost you time away from your family. You have to go to doctor visits. You have to, you know, I'm not saying you did anything wrong. Like I said, God is not judging you for trying to change your situation, trying to get better. In fact, it's a good thing that you never gave up and you tried to get better. But you finally heard that God is reaching out to you, telling you he's going to save you. He's going to heal you. He's going to deliver you. God's going to help you. That's the message God sent me to tell you today. And I'm here to tell somebody who says, Lord, you are my only hope. You are my last hope. Jesus, you are my last resort. I am at the end of my rope. God says, you are a candidate for a miracle. Hallelujah. You are a candidate for a miracle. Ladies and gentlemen, the fact that you have suffered for 11 years does not mean the breakthrough isn't coming. Can you imagine? She had suffered for 12 years. What if she had given up, taking her life in the 11th year? And you know, it happens in life. Some people took their life. I'm telling you, pain. Oh, thank God that the Bible says Jesus bore our sins on his own body. And he bore our sicknesses and by his stripes we are healed. Thank God that the chastisement needful for peace of mind was the crown of thorns he wore. That we may have peace of mind. Ladies and gentlemen, God does not want you to suffer. But some have suffered. In fact, some have suffered many things. And at the hands of many physicians, in her case, some women have suffered at the hands of many men. Some children have suffered at the hands of many adults. Ah, Lord, have mercy. 
There is help from God. There is healing from God. I have come to tell you there is restoration from God. There are boys who have been abused. Little girls who have been abused. Sexually, physically, emotionally. People have been abused. I mean, this world can be horrible. But God sent me to tell you that Jesus Christ is the hope of salvation, the hope of restoration, the hope of healing. He is hope for you. Don't give up. Don't take your life. In the 12th year, a miracle came. For that cripple in the 40th year, I'm not suggesting by that that God is saying, suffer for so long before I said you free. No, no, no. The examples God gave us in scripture is he's telling you that no matter how long somebody has been in a situation, God's not going to give up on them. God's going to reach out to them and help them. I, do you understand that? Amen. Well, this, God taught me this lesson. You've heard me say by uh, members of our church many times. It's a personal lesson. I was going through something. I was praying. And I misunderstood the scriptures. I was, was complaining a little bit. And I said, Lord, Lord, you, you gave Abraham a promise that you, you're going to give him a child. He was 75. I can, I'm, I'm not a rocket scientist, but I can figure out a little math. When he had a son, he was 100. 100, take 75 out of it, that's 25. Lord, I can't wait for 25 years before I get this breakthrough. So I was complaining a little bit. This is a long time, years, many, many years ago. <laughs> God is so patient. For those of you here in the store for the first time, you know what God told me? He said, okay, so it was like, I wasn't being critical of God, but the way he talked to me was like, okay, if you're accusing me or you're criticizing me that I made him wait for so long. Let me ask you this. How old was Abraham when he died? God is so good. You know, I'm like, you know, I think I have this little brain. I can do a little, you know, subtraction. If you can do 75 out of 100 and you get 25. God, said, God asked me this. He said, how old was he when he died? I said 175. You see where God's going? 175. So he got a son when he was 100. Yes? He died when he was 175. What's the difference? 75. How long did he enjoy his son? Right now on earth, how many years generally do people enjoy their children before they die? You see the math? This is, this is God. God dealt with you. I'm serious. This is a conversation we're having. And he says, what, what is it? And I said, 75. He says, so, and how long? You know, like, so you, you get to say 20 and you have your, your first child. Say 20. Let me just say, you have 20. And then you live for up to 100. That's what? 80. Yes? Like, what's the average uh, lifespan in America? In America. For men, 81. Women, 84. Average right now. Actually, we're told that it's gone down. It's, it's, it's gone down. The average has gone down. So in some countries, it's 65. Some countries. Thank you. The devil is a liar. Amen. In some countries, men die at 35 because of war. It's, it's bad. 
And God says, no matter, so you listen to me out in the world, wherever your, your country, wherever you live, if you believe in God, if you make Christ your hope, he will ensure that you enjoy salvation and the benefits of salvation. Amen. And so the Lord told me that day, he says, if I have you wait for 25 years, if I have you wait for 25 years to get this breakthrough that you're looking for? If you wait, I'll keep you alive for 75 years to enjoy. Amen. That day, I, I, I repented and I, I changed my thinking. Change, it changed my mentality. Amen. I saw how good God is. How intimately involved he is with us in our lives to make sure that good, goodness and mercy will follow us every day of our lives. How he wants to change our thinking, renew our minds to transform us so that we'll think like him and change the spirit of our mind. The spirit, not just knowing some Bible scriptures, but the life of your mind, so that if you're going through something, the first thing you think about would be positive, not negative. You understand? God changed the spirit of my mind in that situation. So I no longer, I'm no longer critical of God, or I no longer accuse God. I have never, since that time, many, many years ago, I've never gone through something where I have wondered, God, why? Never. I say this, God knows my heart. I have never asked God since that day, God, why? Because he changed not only my understanding of the scriptures, he changed the spirit of my mind to know this. He is compassionate. He is kind. He loves me more than I love myself. He said, if I make you wait for 25 years, I will keep you alive. And he called me by my name, the way my mother calls me. Unmistake. I was like, yes, sir. I, I salute. Yes, sir. I got it. I, I got it. From that, it changed. It changed something in me. It changed an attitude. I'm no longer like this with God. No, no, no. No longer holding my fists in front to God. Never. And never ask God why. Not, not, no, no, no. I'm always like, I trust you. I'm believing you for the breakthrough. You are my hope. You are my anchor. You are the one that I depend on. Amen. So for those of you who have suffered, rest a while. The breakthrough is coming. Don't give up. Don't give up. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, there are some things in this world that are strange. I don't even know why I thought about it. Recently, I've been thinking about certain things I've been through in my life and how God has delivered me. I remember the first time God said to me that I, I'm going to take you to, this is out of Africa. You know, your, your father sent you to England to complete your education. He said, go and do that, but I'm sending you to do my work. So it's, it's a twofold thing. He sent you to complete your education. I'm sending you to do my work. I will open the door. I will, I'll, I'll break through. I'll, I, you will go. Amen. And God made a way. And I remember this. So I'm on the plane to leave Africa to go to London. 
two men come on the plane. They said they are uh, officers of security officers or something. They want me off the flight. And recently I was thinking about it. I was like, hmm, so if I had gotten off that flight, would I ever have gotten out of Africa? Because there was a revelation uh, that I didn't go. Even though God said I would go, there was a revelation that I didn't go. Somebody said that and I canceled it. Can you imagine you go to a prayer meeting at the end of the prayer meeting? There's all these, everybody's rejoicing and all that. And then we're about to walk out. And somebody's waving their hand. I have something to say. I have something to say. And my spirit is grieved. I'm like, I don't want this lady to talk. So, you know, you have to be modest, nice, or whatever. I said, okay, what do you have to say? She said, I saw that you didn't go. I saw that you did not go. That was the last word. Because we're walking out. We said grace. We're going. And that was the last word Satan wanted declared. I called everybody back in. I said that the prayer meeting is not over. We are canceling this word. In fact, it is not that I'm going. I'm already there. I'm in London. I see myself in the lecture hall. I am there. Oh, I was furious. I was furious. I was furious. I'm fighting this negative energy. Something is coming at me. To keep me down. Nothing wrong with Africa. But I was supposed to be out. Because God had said that your father is sending you to complete your education. I am sending you to do my work. And the devil was trying to stop it. Because again, part of God's plan was, which I didn't know at the time, that after London, I would come here to the United States. God had, you know, and I'd go to Haiti. And I'd go to Jamaica to do God's work. And I'd go to Europe to do God's work. And all, all of that was God's plan, which I did not know. But Satan had gotten a whiff of it, was trying to stop it. Can you imagine that? At the end of the pyramid, you are going out. People, some people had walked out. And I have something, I have something to say. And I'm like, oh, God, no. Satan wanted to have the last word. I said, no way. Everybody, the meeting is not over. Come on back. We're praying. It's not that I'm going. I'm already, I said, I'm already there. I see myself there. I'm in a lecture hall in the name of Jesus. Yes. Maybe God was bringing it back telling me, no matter what you're going through now, what I did for you, do again. Hallelujah. Amen. So look at this woman, Mark 5. Where did we end? Uh, 26. And he, she suffered many things of many physicians, had spent all that she had, and was nothing better. That's right. But grew worse. He tried many things. Verse 27, when she had heard of Jesus, somebody invited you to church. 
Sometimes you think it's just an accidental thing, you know, invite. No, 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 no. God has a plan to change your life forever. To move you from a place where in your country all the men die by the age of 35 to a place where you would die at the age of 100, 120 or whatever. You will fulfill your divine destiny and purpose. God will move you from a place where they die at the age of 60 to a place where you have long life. Are you understanding this? Verse 27, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Woo! And straight away, the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she had been healed of that plague. Look at verse 30. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power, King James Version uses what word? Virtue had gone out of him. Turned in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? Verse 31 And his disciples said unto him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you saying, Who touched me? And you looked round about to see her, so he knew it was a female. And he looked round about to see her that had done this. God knows you. It's a crowd. But God knew in this case, it was a woman. Verse 33. But the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, inside her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Verse 34. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Hallelujah. Amen. Two things. Go to Matthew 9. Please find for me Matthew 9. Uh, let's see. Matthew 9, just, just bear with me for a moment. Uh, Matthew 9, 21, uh, Jesus rose. 20, Matthew 9, we'll do 20 to 22, please. Matthew 9, let's look for Matthew 9, excuse me for a moment. Matthew 9, please.
Praise the Lord. All right. Thank you for your patience. Uh, I, said, I said two things. Then we read this in Matthew 9. Two things. After I read Mark, Mark 4, the two things I want you to notice. To make it easy, I'll ask you a question. You give me the answer. Did the woman have a physical problem, a health problem? Yes, right? Okay. Was the woman healed? Yes. So, when you're reading a woman's story, uh, one might, because it's uh, the imagery is so powerful. I mean, she's gone through a problem for 12 years. She's bleeding, and she's instantly healed. And you're in the crowd, and all this is going on. I mean, you just know this is an awesome physical miracle. Yes? All right. Because it's so powerful, you might only think about the physical aspect of what has happened. That is the healing of her body. But not the Lord. Not Jesus. Jesus was doing more. So I said at least two things. There's more. But just make it easy. The two things. So the first thing that we all readily see is that physically she was healed. Amen. And because we live in this physical world, we're dealing with physical things, as I said in my introductory remarks all the time, we tend to focus more on the physical than on the spiritual. Even though the spiritual is, in fact, more important than the physical. Amen? But not Jesus. Jesus did something. Jesus called her daughter. When the story began, it said, a certain woman is a nameless person. Now Jesus says, daughter. Okay, now you answer this for me. If somebody is your daughter, who are you? You're a father, right? I mean, if I have a daughter, I'm what? Father. So right away, Jesus is teaching. If you're in the crowd and the spirit of your mind has been renewed and changed, you catch on. Something is happening here. Amen. May you be like that. May you be one of those like Moses. Moses knew God's ways. The children of Israel just saw the acts. They just saw the miracles. But Moses was the one who knew God's ways, who was used to perform the acts. May you be like that. The person who catches what God is doing, what God is about, who senses the move of the Spirit of God, who can move with him. I pray that for you in Jesus' name. Yes, yes, yes. Something is happening there. It says, daughter. I got healed and I'm no longer a nameless person. I am now, yes, Mr. Sherman, yes, I am now the daughter of the living God. Now I have salvation. I have eternal life. I know I'm going to live with Papa forever. I'm going to see Daddy again. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus will come back. Praise God. We will see him face to face. We will see God face to face because we are children. Amen. So don't in your life only focus on the money that you need. Much more important to know the one who created everything. 
<laughs> Were you blessed today? Come on, people. You, you have to see this. There's something powerful that's going on here. In fact, even more, I see this. If, when you read the whole story, Jesus is actually on his way to heal somebody. So he's busy. This woman just interrupted him. All right. So as you see, naturally, you just keep going, especially when you consider the urgency of the situation. Because the man who asked Jesus for help said, my daughter is at the point of death. You know, time is of the essence. Seconds, my daughter is at the point of death. How would you feel if you are that man whose daughter is about to die? Jesus is coming and this woman comes to interrupt. You're like, can we get going? Who is this woman? You're like, okay, I know you had a problem, but ah, 12 years, ah, you can go to 13 years. My daughter's about to die. We'll come back to you. See? She gets healed. Okay, now you're healed. Jesus, can we go? She's going to stop. Who touched me? You're like, okay, Lord, she's healed. Can we go? And so you're like Peter. When Peter says, Lord, but the crowd is touching you, what do you mean who touched you? Why are you asking this question? So if you are that man, you, you, you join Peter, you're like, yeah, yeah, Peter, tell him it's, it's enough. Can we just keep go already? But not the Lord. God isn't too busy to stop to help you. If you make him your last resort, God will not overlook you. He has not overlooked you. Today he sent me to tell you that he will help you. He will save you. He will heal you. He will deliver you. That crippled 40-year-old man did not know that that day was the day of his salvation. I've come to tell you that today is your day of salvation. Today is the acceptable time. Today, if you will believe God today, it will be down to you according to your faith, according to you believing God today. There's something else I want to point out to you. That's why we went to Matthew. Remember the woman said, if I touch his clothes, I'll be whole. Right? It had a basis, had a basis in scripture. I want to thank Professor Len. And I was calling people all over because I have two of these and I thought they would be where I thought they would they always are. They weren't. I couldn't find them this morning. So now I'm rushing, calling people. Anybody has a prayer show? Oh, this in modern times, what I'm holding, for those of you who are, who are uh, just audio and you can't see, I'm holding what is called a talith. Talith or a prayer show. A Jewish, a Jewish prayer show. So this cloth... The priests and the men praying would put this over their head to pray. This is actually why Jesus said, when you pray, pray in secret and enter your closet. It doesn't mean your closet, you know, the, what's that, wardrobe closet in your house? <laughs> That's not it. No, this is a closet. This is the closet. Read in the Hebrew, the prayer closet, the prayer show. That sit, sit, the talith. That's the prayer closet. 
Amen. That's just a sign that I'm blocking the world out. And I'm meeting with God alone. We all with open face, beholding the face of the Lord, we are changed. Amen. You put everything out and you, aside and you look to God and God alone. Just like King Hezekiah turned and faced the wall. You don't have a prayer cloth, you face the wall. Amen. When we were kids, the punishment in our home was face the wall. <laughs> my, my kid brother got the brunt of it. Oh. He faced the wall too many times and kept doing the same thing. I'm like, oh. So anyway, this is what they would have, right? When you're praying, get into your closet and you pray. Amen. Then after prayer, you don't mind, right? I'm okay. I'm good. Thank you. After prayer, for those who are just audio, uh, break this over your shoulders. You know, so you go to the temple, you pray, you're going home or wherever. You drape it over your shoulder and you're, you're on your way. Do you remember when Jesus came? Jesus rebuked the Pharisees. He said in Matthew 23, he says, you made broad the fringes of your garments. You made broad your phylacteries. This is what he was talking about. The Pharisees changed it from being prayer to a symbol of spiritual authority and power and significance. So, the broader it was walking around, you know, he's like, I'm the big man in town. Yeah. We have a little bit of it today, you know. Uh, the longer your, your hat the broader your robes and all that in the church, the higher your position. We, we have that. Maybe they use that for titles and earthly significance, but actually, spiritually, it means diddly. Diddly squat means nothing. No, those things, just man. All right? But in scripture, what did it represent? That's what's important. What it represented in scripture, that's what is important. So as I said, Jesus quoted it in Matthew 23, but it's taken also from Leviticus. God told them, excuse me, from Numbers. God told them to make this and put the color blue in the cloth. Yeah, he specifically said, put the color blue. Because blue reminds us of the blue heavens or the heavenly origin of the law or the word of God. Jesus came from heaven. Okay, that's why he said blue. And they were also to attach to the cloth, 
tassels or fringes. Tassels. These tassels or the fringes, they have another picture or imagery in the Bible. Give it to you in a moment. The imagery in the Bible is what is called wings. A wing, like the wing of a bird. Wings. Under his wings, we have come to trust. Yes, you remember? Okay. Also in Malachi 4, the son of righteousness shall arise with, you tell me, shall arise with healing. Healing. In his wings over you. So when you come and hide under his wings, what are you going to get? What did you just tell me? Healing. But the wings are the tassels. So when the woman said, I'm going to touch the hem of his garment, the woman was saying, I'm going to touch healing. Healing in his wings. Are you with me? So she was going to touch live wire filled with healing power. That was what she was thinking and believing. Are you with me? Okay. And when she touched the live wire, the power came into her. I'm using live wire intentionally. You know, like in the natural, you don't want to touch live electricity, yes? Hello, do you? No, okay. So she touched the electric power of God. Okay, so stop for a moment. When a person, don't do it, don't ever, do, you see something on TV, says don't do it at home. Yes? Don't ever do it at home or anywhere. Don't touch live Electricity. Okay. You ever seen on, on, on YouTube or you see on TV some parts in some countries in the world, some people are trying to steal electricity and sometimes they get electrocuted? Oh, it's, it's, it's horrible. Don't, don't do that. Because when you touch live wire, what's going to happen? You get electrocuted, meaning what, what comes into you? Power. Do you remember we read, said, Jesus said, virtue has gone out of me. So the woman touched live power. And the power came into her. Amen. You have been trying for help. This man was your hope. That doctor was your hope. Nothing wrong with that. Trying, you know, your boss for promotion. That was your hope. I'm not trying to criticize you. God said, you tried all that, it didn't work. God said, don't give up. Today I've come to tell you that you're relying on me as your hope. Yes, I would that you have found that earlier, but it doesn't matter. After 12 years, you didn't give up in the 11th year. You have found me today, and today my life power. 
power will come into you. For the power of God works towards those who believe. Your believing in God, according to Ephesians 1.19, is magnet, spiritual magnet, that touches the greater power of God that comes into you. And in one moment, something you have suffered for 12 years will stop. Hallelujah. For 40 years, it will change. Ladies and gentlemen, the breakthrough will come. The money will come for your education. It will come. It will come. When I got ready to go to, to school in England, my dad didn't have money. His money had dried up. He paid for somebody to go to school, University of Texas. He'd already been there for two years. <laughs> and there's some things you, do, you should not do. After two years, he went on vacation. Back to Ghana. And his uncle killed him. His uncle who was envious of him killed him. So now it's my turn to go and there's no money. And God said, I've broken now, the barriers go. Back then they would not give you a visa as an African to go study if you didn't have the money. It's everywhere. I can show you my original old passport. It says, this is, it says at the back of it, the money that he has is five pounds, 20 pence. It says it. They still gave me the visa and let me go. Except God build a house. <laughs> God is with you. I said, God is with you. He sent me to tell you, you made Jesus your last hope. You have come to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. No evil will come near your habitation. The devil will not be able to break through this barrier. Your breakthrough has come. Today is your day of salvation. Now is your acceptable time. You can use this example for marriage. In Ruth chapter 3 verse 9, Ruth says to Boaz, I want you to spread your wings or your skirt or your, your talith over me. It's the same revelation. <laughs> you may be how you've suffered many things at the hands of many men, but now you have found your Boaz, Jesus Christ. You have found your last hope and you need to tell him, Lord, please spread your covering, your marital covering over me. Come on, people. You got to trust God. You got to believe God. No matter how long it's been, how many times you've struggled and not break, broken through, if you trust Jesus, he'll make a way for you. I want you to catch something here in Matthew 9. 9. Was it 9, Matthew 9? Yes. Matthew 9. Did I already give you, a, give you a verse? Okay. 20 to 22. Thank you. And behold, a woman who, had, who was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, she said within herself, in Mark he said, she said, if I may touch him. 
But unless you come to Matthew, you don't see that. You will not catch the revelation. In Mark, he said, she, it says, she said, if I touch him. She did say that. That is speaking it out. But before she spoke it out, she had been saying it within herself. She had been rehearsing it. Amen. And God wants you to do that. Do you, you catch it? God wants you to do that. God told me I've broken down the barriers. I give you the money for education. Go. That's what I said. I'm having a conversation with my father and he said to me, I'm only letting you go because of what I've seen God do in your life. And everything that you said, God told you, I've seen it come to pass. So even though there's no money, if you said that God said the money will come, I will let you go. Five pounds, 20 pence. In three weeks time, I had $90,000. Three weeks. I remember my first year of school, when, when the African students, you know, you have to work. You have to work and go to school, you know. I didn't have to work. Oh, life was, life was so good, man. Life was good. Life was good. I was going to school and I was preaching. Life was good. Amen. And I, I, was, I was touring London too. I just get, you know, the, those open buses, tour bus on the top. I sit and just go around, look at the place. See, I'm also here. <laughs> when you're like 22, you do some crazy things, huh? Oh, God brought the money. God brought the money just like that. Don't give up. The breakthrough will come. But you have to do these things we've seen in scriptures. You have to keep saying. I hear uh, uh, this is one of the things that Pastor Meg likes within yourself. Verse 21. For she said within herself. If I may but touch his garments, I shall be whole. Jesus turned about to see her and said, Daughter, daughter, be of good comfort. Look at that. Calls you daughter, that's relationship. Now he ministers to your soul. Comfort. So it's not only physical healing. Emotionally, your soul, he's touching. Are you seeing Jesus touching every area of your life? Remember, she had been losing a lot of money, spend all she had. So financially, now, there's not going to be any hemorrhaging of her finances. Come on, are you seeing this? I don't have time to get into all of it, but I pray that when you study it, the Lord, even as I've pointed these things out, will show you even more. It wasn't just one thing. Physically, she's healed. But financially, the money that's hemorrhaging, bleeding out also, is stopped. Any financial hemorrhaging you're experiencing, the Lord stop it today. And the Lord bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now finally, I'm going to show you in Matthew, we're going to use a negative thing to bring out a positive. Look here. We were listening to this this morning. Uh, Matthew 9 on audio. Listen to this. Matthew 9. Go to verse... Two. Verse 2. Funny. 
but powerful. Matthew 9, verse 2. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of, of the palsy, lying in a bed, on a bed. Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, the, the paralyzed man, Son, be of good cheer. When I read son here, it reminds me of my younger son. That's how he talks, son, everything son. I think it's something that the youth do, I don't know. But anyway, son, be of good cheer. Look at that. We've seen Jesus saying, have comfort. Be of comfort to the woman. Now we see, look at Jesus, be of good cheer. What's the next thing he says? Your sins are forgiven you. The man is paralyzed. That's a physical condition. And Jesus healed him. So physically he's healed. But look at Jesus. Jesus says, be joyful. Come on, people. Be joyful. Break out of the cycle of depression and anxiety and fear. Be joyful. Be joyful. I will help you. You have suffered for so long, but today you have touched life power by touching my word, by saying, Lord, I believe it will be to me as you said in the Bible. You got it? Okay, now watch this. Verse 3. Behold, certain of the scribes said, everybody, King James Version. Now you got to do King James to see this. Verse 3. Let's read it together. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves. The same within herself, the woman said. Now we see that here. They also said within themselves. Ladies and gentlemen, what you've been saying within yourself affects you. Whether it's positive or negative, what you've been saying within yourself. So maybe you call your friend and you are mouthing of all these scriptures to them, showing off that you're all spiritual and all that. But when you are by yourself, what you say within yourself is always negative. May you break out of that in the name of Jesus. Love yourself because God loves you. Value yourself because God values you. God created you in his image and his likeness. Know that you are significant. Don't allow anybody to marginalize you. Refuse to sit at the gate called beautiful and beg. Rise up and walk and turn to the temple of God. Leaping and jumping and praising God. Be of good cheer. Decide. I will make myself happy. Some of you allowed people to tell you because you are single, your life is incomplete. That is a lie of the devil. That's a lie of the devil. Every Friday you are depressed. Oh, I don't have a date. Weekend again. Date yourself until you get a date. Date yourself. Take yourself out on a date until you get a date. Get, do something you enjoy. Enroll in something. Get, go dancing. Go, I don't know. Learn some new dance. You know, there are all kinds of dance, flamenco or whatever. Do it. 
register every Friday night. That's what I'm going to do. I know, I know. I'm a pastor and we're probably saying, somebody's probably binding me right now. Why didn't, why didn't you say go to church? <laughs> I know you already go to church on Fridays. I'm talking about after church when you're by yourself and you're thinking all those negative things. All right? Get into a, a book reading club. Get into language studies. There was a time I wanted to learn tap dancing. Yeah, I bought the shoes. My wife would tell you, I bought, I bought, I bought the shoes. Only problem, never have had time to go. Can you imagine, Pastor? Make yourself happy. Be of good cheer. Study Jesus' life. Whenever he met his, his disciples, read it. Hey, friends. It's there in the Bible. Hello, friends. What's up, guys? Yo, man. Whatever it is you say, I'm saying that he was a happy fellow. He was not like. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, he was not religious. It's not all the religious thing, you know. No, it was just, it was, it was, read, read it. Do you see it? All hail. It's there. That's how he greets them. All hail. Hello, children. Did you catch anything? The sense of humor that he had. My God. Amazing. Okay, watch this now. So verse 3, what they said within themselves. And what were they saying? This man blasphemes. They're talking about Jesus. You see the mind they had of Jesus? That is stinking mind, isn't it? Come on, people. Are you with me or am I the only one seeing this? This morning, as we were listening to this, we're like, we're both like, these people, man, they had no, no respect for Jesus, man. I mean, you're like, you see God, and, and he's really thinking, he's blaspheming. Watch this. Come on, everybody. Verse 4, read it. One, two, three, please read. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think you evil in your hearts? So what they were thinking within themselves, they were what? Evil thoughts. Before the woman said, if I touch his clothes, she had been saying within herself. And what she had been saying within herself about the Lord was all positive. She was saying things like, as I said, Malachi 4, you are the son of righteousness with healing in your wings, and I come under you and I receive healing. You are the one who spread your skirt over me and marry me, so I'm not all alone anymore, or I'm not whatever. Like Ruth. She was saying within her thoughts, saying within herself, as you said, 
that your name is as ointment poured forth. And the young women ran after you, Song of Solomon. Verse, chapter 1, verse 3, it's there. Your name is as ointment poured forth. The name Jesus. It's like anointing, ointment poured forth. She's saying something like Psalm 133. The anointing that came upon Aaron's beard. How good and pleasant it is when brethren walk together in unity and in love. It's like the anointing from Aaron's head that come down his beard, down his clothes, to the skirts, skirts of his garments, to the fringes, to the wings, to the skirts. Come on, Psalm 133. These are some of the things she would say within herself. Did I help you? Maybe not all that. But I'm, I'm just picking from scriptures things about the wings, things about the hem of the garment. She was not the only person who touched the hem of Jesus' garments. No, 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 no. There were other people. In Matthew 14, there's a crowd of people who were begging, can we touch the hem of, of your garments? It's because they had been taught that the, the hem of the garment represented the word of God. In fact, the Pharisees will write scriptures and fold the scriptures up and put the scriptures in little boxes and give it to an artist like Sister Rosalind. And Sister Rosalind would design it. You know, you know how you script things so nicely? Calligraphy? So nice. Some of the things you write, oh, and paint and draw. So they'll design all these things and fold them out and fold them up and put them in boxes. And sew the boxes by the blue thread onto their clothes and they'll be walking around. And in actual fact, people were supposed to touch the word. If you touch the box containing the scriptures, you're touching the word to be healed. Unfortunately, the people weren't being healed because the carriers of these boxes were not carrying it to heal the people. They were just showing off. Yeah, big ropes and Jesus comes, and the oil is flowing. The anointing is flowing. Amen. I'm actually just seeing this. I just saw this for the first time. Look at this. If, you know, gravity pulls things down, right? The anointing, Psalm 133, on Aaron's head, coming down. It says, coming down his beard. So it's coming down to the skirt of his garments. If we keep soaking you with oil, it keeps coming down to the skirts of his, your garments. Won't the base, the skirt, be heaviest? Saturated. Amen. You've been saturated with the word today. The word and the spirit, they are one. Amen. What you've received in your spirit is heavy. Take it. The ointment. And be healed. His name, Jesus. It's as that ointment that had been poured forth and you've touched the heaviness of it. May every yoke in your life be destroyed. May burdens be removed from your soul so that you have comfort and be of good cheer. Physically, may you receive your healing in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let's go to God in prayer. Take that thing 
Maybe you are like, God, I need a word today. You're coming to church. You leave the, you left the house. You're like, Lord, man, I'm tired. Lord, I'm just, I don't know what to do with this child anymore. I'm tired. Lord, I don't know what to do with my husband's alcoholism anymore. I'm, I'm just, I'm tired. I don't know what your story is. But if you are coming and you're saying, Lord, I'm tired. And I need a word from you. Today, you have heard. Maybe for somebody, a whisper is what you heard. But the whisper of God has power to set you free. Maybe somebody already received that saturation, that heaviness of the word that kept pouring out, kept pouring out and you have touched, caught hold of it. God bless you. Maybe another person just got one word, but that one word was all you needed to give you that breakthrough, financial breakthrough for your education. Perhaps you need that for your PhD or your, your, your master's or undergrad. I don't know. I don't know. But the breakthrough is here today. You made Christ your last hope. You said, Lord, when I, today when I watch this man preach in my home, let me hear something to lift me up. Receive it. Receive the breakthrough. Receive the breakthrough. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Somebody may want to picture the wings, the wings, and you under the wings, healing is yours. Maybe for somebody, it's protection that you need. Protection. You're in a war zone. Young men die at 35. Today, you come under God's wings, and it's protection that you're going to get. And you're not going to die. You're going to live. You're going to live. What's the reason, reasoning that you have today? What is your reasoning? What are your thoughts? I want you to think positive. Think life. Think health. Think peace. Think peace. Before I end, think this. He loves me. He has time for me. He cares for me. He's kind to me. Those cries... They thought negatively about the Lord. I need for you to think positively about him. Can you see him as the lover of your soul? Can you see him as the master, the Lord, your maker, who's your husband? Can you see him? Five marriages failed and you gave up on marriage. You're living with this person you're not married to. Did the Lord give up on you? No. Did he harp on your failures? No. He got you salvation. And it changed your life. That story is from John 4. The woman of Samaria. Married five times. Gave up on marriage. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Christ is your last hope. I pray for somebody who's been following religion somewhere in the world and you're watching me. You happen to be watching me today. This was your last hope, your opportunity to miss hell and gain heaven. 
by receiving Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. Reject religion and have a relationship with God. Say, Jesus, you died for my sins. God raised you up for me to be made righteous. I believe in you and I receive you. Now I'm a son of God. If you're female, you say, now I'm a daughter of God. And as a daughter of God or a son of God, he says, be of good comfort. Be of good cheer. Your life is changed today. Your life is changed. Your life is changed. Someone else like the woman of, of uh, the woman with the issue of blood. Maybe you have a blood disease. The Lord heals you today. You try the doctors and that was okay. But they couldn't help you. For 12 years. Today. Your life is healed. Your blood is healed. Because Jesus' blood purifies your blood. He said, I saw the pollution in your blood. I saw it. Ezekiel 16. And I said to you, live. And you lived. Live today. Live. Your blood is purified. That means your life is purified. Be healed. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Somebody receive it. Somebody receive it. I want to give you an opportunity, everyone, to meet with God where you need him. Maybe like me, it's not a blood flow, but you have a certain issue. Whatever that issue is, Christ will not fail you. Make him your hope. You will not be disappointed. Hope maketh not ashamed. Because God loves you. So let's close on that in prayer. Just close on the focus on that. God loves me. Yes, he healed a woman, but he stopped long enough to say, daughter, I value you. In Jesus' name, receive it. Receive that heavy anointing. Receive that heaviness. The oil, the ointment of God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Please pray. Right now, pray with me. Pray with me. In your home, pray with me. In church, pray with me. I know you pray when you go home. You pray later. But before we, we go, pray now. You suffered many things. The Lord said it ends today. It ends right here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see it. I see it. I see the end of that struggle. And for your trouble, the Lord gives you double. I see it. I see it. I see it. I pray that you see it too. Receive it now. In Jesus' name. Receive it now. Receive it now. It's not a struggle. Today, I just sense the prayer is not like you're struggling. Just touch his word. Touch that promise. Touch that promise. What did God tell you? Think about that thing right now. Let your thoughts have within you. Rehearse it. 
Meditate on it. Reflect on it. That thing. Think about it. Think about that scripture. I take sickness away from you. The number of your days I will fulfill. That means nobody will kill you. God will give you long life. The number of your days I will fulfill. You will not be somebody's statistics. No. You will not be. Amen. 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 From the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. May the Lord make you whole. May everything within you that needs the touch of God be touched and be healed. Your blood be healed. Let's pray for our organs to be quickened by God. In Jesus' name, your blood is healed. Your blood be healed. Your heart be healed. Your lungs be healed. Your liver be healed. Your kidneys be healed. Lord, heal people. Heal them in their blood, their very life. Heal them in their bone, their bone marrow. Heal them. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I rebuke cancer. I rebuke tumors. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Be made sound. Be made whole. Receive your miracle now. Receive your miracle. Receive your miracle. Receive your miracle. Everybody receive your miracle. Receive your miracle. In Jesus' name, I receive my miracle. I receive my miracle. I receive. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a vision of yourself touching Jesus. Touch him. Just hold on at least one thing. Just hold on to one scripture today, right now. Something you heard. I just want you to hold on to it. Picture you grabbing it. Go ahead, do that. Stretch your heart. Stretch your faith and grasp it. Come on, do that. Grab it. Grab it. Take hold of it. Know that I, you have it. Clenched in your fist, you have it. It's in my grasp. It's in my grasp. I have it. 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 I believed. I prayed. I believed. I received it. Yes. 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 In Jesus' name, by the faith of God, I call it done. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We glorify you. In the name of Jesus, the name above all names. Amen. Amen. And amen. Woo, glory. Give him praise. Give God praise for your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. I receive it. Amen. Let's give unto God. In this case, offerings, gifts of love, tithes, financially. Anybody online around the world you want to give unto God, you want to support this ministry? There are three ways to give. Three ways it's going to be on your screen. You can give via Zelle Transfer to World Missions Ministries. The number for via Zelle Transfer to World Missions Ministries is 571-234-2387. I repeat, 571-234-2387. You can also give via PayPal online. Go to wmmchurch.org, wmmchurch.org. Just click the donate button and give as you choose. The Lord bless you. Finally, those who want to give by check, you can send check, a check in the mail to World Missions Ministries. The address is 6805 East Clinton Street. Clinton, Maryland, 20735, not USA. I repeat, the address for World Missions Ministries is 6805 East Clinton Street, Clinton, Maryland, 20735, USA. Thank you. The Lord bless you. Have a glorious week. Amen. God bless you. Let me pray. Father, thank you for all given.